Let's have a word of prayer as we get into this message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can focus these next few weeks on the simplicity of Christmas, the profound mystery of Christmas, and Lord, to focus on the attributes that we have because of your Son. And as we begin this Advent series, Lord, I help us to focus on hope and what hope means for everybody that's in this room. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent us your Son. Help us to never take that for granted. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Advent. Now, how many of you grew up in a traditional church that practiced Advent? Do we have some folks? Good. So uh, I'll be honest, I grew up uh, at a, a little uh, Church of Christ, and I, I don't even know that I, I knew what Advent was. And a few weeks ago when we began talking about the Christmas season, and this came up, like, you know, it would really be neat to take the themes from Advent and, uh, and also allow the congregation to kind of go on this spiritual journey together. And so I'm excited about this as we go into the Christmas season because there's enough going on with Christmas with this endless list that we have and all the things that we want to do. And we need to just take a deep breath and, and examine what Christ has done for us. Advent simply means the coming or arrival. The advent of something is you're looking forward or you're anticipating something. Now, back in the day in the late 70s, there was this uh, great commercial, maybe some of you remember it, and there's these two little boys sitting there, and they were holding a Heinz ketchup bottle, and this little guy slowly turned it over, and the, that one slow drop, and you're screaming like, somebody invented the squeeze bottle, somebody invented the squeeze bottle, but he just lets it, and then Carly Simon's song in the background was uh, in the playing, do you remember it? Anticipation. Now, if there's ever a season of anticipation, wouldn't you say it's this season right now. Uh, how many of you absolutely love the Christmas season? You've been counting the days. Good. How many of you live with someone who's counting the days, okay? Okay, so we, we all know what it is to anticipate, but do you remember when you were a child and how you anticipated? And I think we got these little things at Cracker Barrel, but Marie every year would buy the, the little cardboard deal, and it had 25 little boxes or doors and you'd take out a little chocolate leading up to Christmas. And I mean, you just anticipation. You're just counting the day. So we don't have to worry about anticipating Christmas, but we do need to worry about pulling away from anticipating what Christmas really means and what God has done for us. That countdown leads to something, and it really leads more than anything else to hope. Advent began as a way for the early church to celebrate the birth of Christ with a symbolic wreath, which we're going to experience here in just a little bit, and candles. There were specific scriptures, which we're going to get into this Advent season. And then also it allows us to just draw near to what Christ has done for us uh, hundreds of years ago when he was born the first time. But we're also celebrating it's a bridge to looking forward to Christ coming back the second time. And I love that. So it's a chance for us to look back, and back even before Jesus was born the first time, and think about what they were anticipating as we anticipate the second coming, hope. This morning as we get into hope, have you thought about how powerful that word really is? Because hope comes in, in interesting ways at interesting times. I heard about four ladies at a nursing home, and elderly ladies, very sweet, and they were working on a puzzle. And about uh, a few minutes later, this nurse walks up with an older gentleman dressed, I mean, dapper. This guy was dressed very sharp. And the ladies looked at him and go, oh. They said, well, we haven't seen you here before. 
And he said, no, no, I, I've never been here before. And one of the older ladies said, so where are you from? He said, well, I'm, I'm from the big house. And she said, oh, so you came from a big house. You must be a very uh, wealthy man. He goes, no, no, I came from the big house, the state penitentiary. I served 25 years there. And one of the other old ladies said, uh, oh, so what were you in for? And he said, well, I killed my wife. Long pause. And the last woman said, oh, so you're single. <laughs> that's, that's hope. And that's desperation. Okay, so. But here's what we're going to get in this morning that is so critical. We're going to talk about hope and how it affected the folks from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Let's talk about yesterday and what that means. If you've got your scriptures, and we're going to pull some of these up so you can follow along. And you think about the story of hope and the story of Jesus, you really have to go all the way back. And this is what I love about Scripture. You have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And Genesis chapter 3, you know the story. The, The fall in the garden, sin has entered the garden, and so you have this amazing confrontation. And God is speaking to Adam and Eve, and he's speaking to Satan, and he lays out the plan right there for all of us to have. And you get to Genesis 3, and you see verse 3, and you see how it all begins. And uh, verse 13, excuse me, Genesis 3 says, Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock. And all the wild animals, you will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust. And all of these days of your life, And I will put enmity, now enmity is hatred, I will put hatred between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. Now this is critical. He, that being Jesus, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now what does he mean? Well, right there God presents the first messianic prophecy. God says, here's the plan. Man entered this incredible place called paradise. And because of sin, this relationship now has broken. Man chose you. He's talking to Satan. Man chose you. So Satan, first of all, you need to know, uh, you are the lowest of all forms. You're you're on your belly for the rest of your life. And here's what I know. You're going to win some battles. Mankind is desperately going to try to find their way to God, and mankind is never going to be able to restore that relationship. Matter of fact, it's so desperate. Man actually is going to believe he can save himself, but he can't possibly do that. So there needs to be a Savior. And that Savior, God's Son, will crush your head. So God's already telling us the whole story. It's going to get hard, and life is going to be hard for all those who live in this world. And he will strike the heel. In other words, we're going to suffer in this world. And ultimately, what is every one of us going to do unless Jesus returns? Every one of us is going to die. That's part of the brokenness. But, he said, there is hope, and my son will crush your head. How many of you saw the movie, The Passion of Christ? Anybody see that? You may remember it at the very beginning of that movie, Uh, when Jesus was being tempted in the garden and he saw this huge snake crawling. And you remember when Jesus reached up and just crushed his head? And I remember thinking, 
Yeah, that's exactly what's happened. Jesus Christ wins. And because of that, we have hope. Yesterday's scriptures give us hope. Isaiah 7.14 says this, 700 years before Jesus was born, he said these words, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel. Think about how powerful that is. And that same prophet, Isaiah, who was writing to the nation of Judah to repent, but was also giving hope for generations to come, said these powerful words in chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness prepares the way of the Lord, makes straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, and rough ground shall be level, and the rugged places plain. And then listen to verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. And they will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not be faint. You got to know yesterday when they heard those powerful words, they were wondering in their lives, am I going to get to see this Messiah that he talks about? I mean, am I going to experience this little bitty community called Bethlehem? Am I really going to experience the Messiah? And I'm sure Isaiah, as he was penning those words, in the back of his mind was thinking, I wonder in my lifetime, but for 700 years, that didn't happen. There was so much darkness, but God promised that someday there would be light. Yesterday's scripture leads us to today's hope. And what is the hope that we have today? In John chapter 1, here's the hope. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. In him was life, that life was light for all mankind, the light that shines and penetrates the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. Emmanuel. Can you imagine? I can't. God allowing his son to walk on this earth with us. Not a king who lives in a palace that you make appointments with. No, he's walking with us. He's talking with us. He's crying for us. He dies for us. He was with us. And that is the hope we have today. For everybody in this room, that's the hope you have right now, is that Jesus Christ wants to walk with you. He was fully God, but he was fully what? Human. Think about that. Fully human for us. A few years ago, um, in my prayer time, I, I was just really, really, uh, I was just getting anxious, and I was getting frustrated, and, uh, and I, just, uh, I just sensed God was trying to wake me up. And here's what I was frustrated about, and maybe some of you go through this. You start getting in a routine with your job, 
and then eventually you kind of look back over months and months of your work, and I realized, man, I am truly in a holy bubble. I mean, 90% of the time, I'm only with people who believe exactly what I believe. My meetings, the Bible studies, everything is all about working with people who have given their life to Christ, and basically they believe what I believe, and I sense God saying, man, you've got to get out of this comfort zone. And you know, whenever you start praying, God, get me out of this comfort zone, what does God usually do? Yeah, he'll get you out of your comfort zone. And so it was about this time of year, and I went down, and I was talking to a good friend, Claudia Mitchell. And I said, Claudia, I, I mean, I've got this burden. She said, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling the same way. And I said, yeah, but you know, we're getting close to the holiday seasons because we can't really do anything. So at the beginning of the year, let's pick this conversation back up. She goes, no, no, no. If God's working on your heart, he's working on my heart, we need to do something about this soon. And I said, well, what are we going to do? She said, what if we ask a handful of people that really have a heart for people trying to find their way back to God, if they'll invite their friends out to my place for a free meal, we'll have this big bonfire, and we'll just open it up and say, any questions about God, just go ahead and ask it. People who may not want to go to church but have spiritual questions. So we did. And I remember that night, I was so nervous because I said, I said, you know, what, what do you want to know about God? And it was interesting, there were a lot of questions about God. They wanted to know about God, weren't too crazy about the church, a lot of hurt people. And after that evening, I thought, God, I think you're working on me to do something different. And Claudia came back, she goes, let's invite the same people back before the Christmas season, and we'll pull inside the cabin, and we'll ask some more questions. So we had the same group back in this cabin, and, and I'm like, I don't even know how to start the conversation. And I listened, you won't believe this, I, I listened and heard a country western song. And I'm like, I'm going to make copies of that country western song, we're going to talk about it deeply spiritual song. It was called, If I Could Have a Beer with Jesus. I didn't see it on the Advent list. Maybe it'll be there next week. I don't know. Okay? It would be good with a banjo. I would say I'd be great with a banjo. But I handed out the lyrics because at the premise, that song basically said, if I could talk to Jesus, this is what I would love to talk about. So I said, if you could talk to Jesus, what would you talk about? And I remember this one guy real quiet. And he said, well, John, have you been in many bars? <laughs> That's a loaded question. I said, well, you know, a few, you know, but anyway, I said, no, but there is one at the Advent, by the way. Anyway, I said, no, uh, I haven't been in a lot of bars. He said, well, if, if you go to bars, he says, I've gone to quite a few. There's not a lot of big clocks in bars because they really don't want you to know the time. They want you to stay there a while. So he said, that lyric makes sense that he said he wants to set where Jesus can't see the clock. And I said, oh, he said, that's where I'd want to sit too. Because, man, I've got so much that I want to talk to Jesus about. So that night after he left, the friend who brought him, I said, what's going on? And he said, well, in a few months, he's got a trial. And if that trial doesn't go well, he's going to spend a lot of time in jail. So he has a lot to talk to Jesus about. And my guess is right now some of you, you have a lot to talk to Jesus about. It's today. You need the hope of Jesus now. You don't need a preacher telling you that hope is coming. You need to know that Jesus is here for you today. And here's what I'm here to assure you. He is here right now, today. I read about a journalist who was given a really tough assignment years ago out in Maine. And the assignment was there was a little village 
and they had, uh, the government had already had stepped in and said they were going to put a dam in this specific area, and they said, now when we put that dam in, this little village is going to go away because we're flooding this whole area. So we just want you to go in every so often and interview people about what they're feeling about the fact that their homesteads are going to be flooded. How would you like that assignment? So he would go in and systematically just talk to folks. And you can only imagine how they felt about, oh, well, this is where I've raised my family, but there's nothing I can do about it. And this went on for quite a period until finally they had to pull that last person out. And they interviewed the last person. And he said, I can sum up what I've experienced going back to that little village that's going to be lost in one sentence. And this was his sentence. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. You know what that is? That's when you feel helpless. And you know what happens when you feel helpless? You feel hopeless. We have hope. I want everybody here today to know if you came here hurt, that there truly is hope. There truly is hope. And for those of you here, and I'm speaking to myself, that at times take Christmas for granted, realize that there are people all around us that feel helpless, and this season they feel hopeless. When you go to any store, I guarantee you, in the mall or any store, you're going to hear this cheesy little tune that you can't get off your mind. It's the most, sing it with me, it's the most wonderful time of the... And isn't that great? Till about the third week of December, like, it is not the most wonderful time of the year, okay? And for some of you in the room, this truly is the most wonderful time of the year. But... Keep in mind, everywhere you go, you're going to encounter people that it truly is not wonderful. You're going to encounter people that have lost somebody that they've loved this year, and they are dreading Christmas. You're going to meet some people that are going through a divorce. You're going to encounter some people that, that have lost loved ones actually on Christmas Day. I can't tell you over the years how many people I've talked to that that's their memory. They they can't shake that. But you're going to encounter family and friends that are hurting and they need hope. And you may be the very person God is sending to help them experience hope today. But I want to close with this. Because of Jesus Christ, we have hope tomorrow. We have hope tomorrow. In Romans 15, verses 12 and 13, I believe that scripture is going to come up. I'd like us to read this together, if we would. Romans 15, 12 and 13. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Isn't that awesome? I should have probably put that on my thing to read the whole thing with you. <laughs> but I want you to know you are beautiful. That was great. You give me hope to want to read the whole thing again. I think we need to understand that 
the early church, can you only imagine when Romans was written, in just a little bit I'm going to read 1 Corinthians, when that was written, imagine the early church. Remember, that's only, that's less than 100 years after the resurrection of Christ, somewhere between 50 and that 100-year period. You've got to know that every day they were waking up because of persecution, thinking this may be the day that Jesus is coming back. And 2,000 years later, what are we doing? We're still hoping. We're still hoping. You know, all of us are clinging to that hope, and that's what makes Advent, I think, such a powerful time, is we look to the future, and we can feel what they were feeling. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7 says this, Therefore, do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm till the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into the fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I was at a retreat a couple of weeks ago, and I saw this acronym of Jesus, and I really jotted it down. I thought, boy, this is really good. I just want to close with this. And I want you to think about this as we go into, again, these next few weeks, focusing on what Christ has done for us and hope. Jesus, just when everything seemed hopeless, God unselfishly sacrificed his son. Let's read that together. Just when everything seemed hopeless, God unselfishly sacrificed his son. That's hope. It's the hope that they had yesterday. It's the hope that you have right now. And it's the hope that we have as we look to the future. Because here's what I love about what Christ has done for everybody in this room. He's given us all hope beyond the grave. It's eternal. And nothing in this world gives us that kind of hope. Let me pray for you. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you and we surrender to you. And we thank you for your amazing plan that you revealed yesterday when you told us that there would be battles that we would lose, but ultimately we would win the war because of you. And Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have today, right now. And if anybody came in here discouraged, uh, just defeated, Lord, that you're there for them. And then help us to realize, Lord, that all of us are messengers of hope, that we're going to encounter people, that their lives feel helpless. And because they feel helpless, they feel hopeless. And Lord, help us to be messengers of hope. But Lord, thank you for the future. Thank you that we can look beyond the grave and that we have hope, Lord, that you truly are coming back, that you have given us eternal life. Thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you for hope. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.